Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Uh, We want to welcome you today for taking your time to be with us, especially if you are visitors. We thank you for joining us. Uh, My name is Jeff, and I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest Community Church, and uh, my role right now is uh, as a ministry consultant, if you didn't know, for the youth, young adult, and also the outreach programs, and uh, my contract is until June, and I'm just, I've just been having such a great time uh, being here with you all and worshiping God together. We welcome you today with a desire to help you take your next steps of faith uh, and, and with each other and between you and God. There's one thing that I love to do before a message. I love to do some I am statements, and if you've heard me the past few, t- few times, uh, I have three I am statements, so I'm going to say it, and I want you to repeat after me. Please say, I am a child of God, I am loved by God, and I am the light of the world. Amen, amen. For a moment, uh, you know, I'm just kind of sensing a little bit of heaviness in the room, so let's just pray one more time before we go into the message. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to worship you together as one. And God, I pray that we would seek you more than anything in this time. God, I pray that we would put aside everything that is hindering us from seeing your glory today. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have another I am statement that I want to just say on my own. And it's a statement that I've been thinking about this past few weeks, and I've been wrestling with it. And the statement is this, I am a recovering prideful man. Oh man, it's confession time. In this life, I want to ask you a question. Who is the main character often being played in your mind, in how you view life? How many times have we played and seen ourselves as just the only one that's part of the story? Even as I read scripture, I'll be honest, many times the way I study scripture is by putting myself as the main character. David versus Goliath, I'm I'm David. I got some stones, right? You know, it's not bad to look at scripture like that, but I think it's harmful if that's the only way we see it. We need to be reminded that Jesus is the main character. Amen? I've been doing a deep dive into a lot of uh, just things going on in our culture, especially in the news with celebrities, with preachers, with actors, with athletes. And one thing that I've been noticing is that everything's great until pride steps into the room. Everything is amazing until pride leaks in. And the problem was, even as I was studying these stories this past week, I had a moment, many moments, where I said, I'm nothing like them. And even in that statement, it revealed to me, wow, I am a prideful man. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today, very short, where I believe Jesus overcomes the temptation of pride. Many of us have heard of the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe for you, it might feel like you've heard it 5,000 times, right? 
but we're going to look at it another time, but we're going to look at just the end of it. Jesus does this incredible miracle, right? He feeds, you know, over 5,000 because that was just the, the men accounted for. And how, mu- how many loaves of bread did he have? He had, anybody remember? Five, right? How many pieces of fish did he have? He had two, all right. Good job, good job. And he does all these things. He's the talk of the town. He's becoming known. He's becoming popular. His authority is felt. The king of kings is now finally beginning to reveal himself, right? He's walking in his calling. But what does he do next? There's something very interesting that we often overlook. And that's the portion of scripture I want to look at. And I believe he was guarding himself against pride. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 14 through 15. Only two verses. This is right after, you know, they pick up the leftovers. They go around. Everybody has a great time and says, God is so good. Verse 14, it says, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come to the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Wow. Did you remember that that's in the scripture? He heard about it. He saw what they were trying to do, and he left. There's one characteristic of Jesus that I think is one of the hardest things to grasp. It's a characteristic that is truly only attained through an understanding of our weaknesses. It's a characteristic that is actually independent of our gifts and our talents. It's a characteristic that understands the fragility of life, that we are good, that we are stewards of what God has given us. And that characteristic I'm talking about is humility. The title of my message today, it's simple. It's be humble. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you humble? Ask them a question. Are you humble? Uh-oh, did you answer them? Did you answer them? If you said yes, uh-oh, uh-oh, I have an issue. I'm going to say another thing. Raise your hand if you are humble. Uh-oh, we want to raise our hands so bad, right? So bad. I saw a little, a little reaction. The thing about it is once you raise your hand, you're no longer humble. Humility is something that we all want in this room. Everybody wants it. But it's something that is so hard to hold on to. Humility, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's hard to explain. Even the dictionary definition uh, is this. It's a modest or low view of one's own importance. Even understanding that definition is difficult. So how do we get it? When you hear the phrase, I was humbled... Oftentimes, it's through an experience of realizing our own weakness. Last Sunday, I was humbled very quickly. Last week, uh, some of the gentlemen, we had open gym basketball. And I was talking to Randy. I was talking to some of the youth group leaders. And I looked at them, and I said, I'm about to ball up some young guys today. Right? I didn't remember and keep in mind that I haven't ran a court since 2019. I didn't think about it, but the last time I played some knockout basketball was against some third graders, and I whooped them, right? (laughs) And my confidence was up here. So I went to the gym, I put on my shoes, and uh, I did some stretching, and one of the first few people on the court was me and a young man named Jonah. (laughs) If you know Jonah, 
He's about my height. I'm six foot three. Uh, he has unlimited endurance, probably about 5% body fat. And he can touch the top of the square of the backboard. So he only had skater shoes on, and he's like, man, I forgot my basketball shoes. So I looked at him, I said, I'll give you some shoes, bro. All right? And we're shooting around, and the whole time I'm thinking, man, he's going to be on my team. It's going to be so good. We're going we're gonna to win every game. So he's dunking before, you know, as a warm-up. I'm just watching him like, yeah, he's awesome. We're going to win every game. We get around to the game. Uh, Peter splits us up. Um, we're on different teams now. And guess who's guarding Jonah? I scored the second shot. I'm like, all right, I still got it. I still got it. But little did I know that this young man never stops running. Everybody might be standing still. It might be a dead ball. But this man, he never stops going. He just keeps going. And by the time I was done, I was out of breath after two possessions. He was like my shadow when I was on offense. I couldn't get away from him. I was so tired to the point where my body stopped cooperating, right? So after the first game, uh, we were humbled. I was tired. We lost. After the second game, I went to Pastor Dave, and I said, kids got to go take a nap, so, uh, you know, have fun. I took a nap, too, I'll be honest. You know, the more I've been studying this topic, the more I begin to realize just how unfit I am to teach on this topic. You know, I'm still going to do my best, but the only thing that we can truly do when it comes to understanding humility is really look at how Jesus lived, because he was the humble king. In this scripture, Jesus had the perfect opportunity to grow in pride and ego. He just did a miraculous thing, and, and he fed thousands of people. He could have allowed the public success in that he just did infiltrate his mind, right, in a sinful way. But instead, he overcame that temptation of pride and continued in humility. I have two points for today, and it's very simple. My first point in being humble and studying Jesus is this. Number one, Jesus had awareness. Jesus had awareness. Turn to your neighbor and say, awareness. Again, in verse 15, it said, Jesus, knowing that they intended... To come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. He had awareness of the intentions of those around him. He had awareness that they were going to crown him king. But what did he come to do? He did not come to be served, but he came to, to serve. Jesus had awareness. Awareness is one of the key things in overcoming pride and pursuing humility. Pride is one of the hardest things to confront. And another person, because oftentimes, even if you are pointing it out, you're starting to see that there's pride in your own heart. This entire time, you may be thinking of one prideful person in your life. And I want to challenge you and stop doing that and start to reflect on your own heart. And Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's anything grievous within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Sometimes we need to search in order to be aware of our pride. There was a, a story that I have where I was not, I did not have full awareness of what was going on. I remember this one time, so I'm married now, but I'm going to share about um, another woman that I was pursuing in high school, all right? I love my wife. I love my wife. She's the most beautiful ever in the world. 
Just got to say that she's watching online right now. So there was this rival basketball team. So I grew up playing basketball. I was on varsity, uh, and you know, I played for a long time. And I remember we were against the super sectional championship or something like that. It was another rival school, and I'll be honest, there was only about I'm Filipino. There was only about three Filipino girls in the area at that time, and uh, she was the cheerleader on our the rival team, right? But I didn't care, right? I went to go talk to her. And um, started hanging out. I kid you not, she was uh, 4'11 in height. I'm six foot three. I was deceived by her shoes, right? <laughs> she had those, uh, those sneakers with extra inches on them. But anyways, there was a time where she invited me to her place. Um, it was raining that day. The moment I step out of the car, it's raining, it's slippery. I slipped. I was like, oh my gosh, that was, that was a close one. Right? I get invited into her house. I say, hello. You know, it's kind of like our first time hanging out. We're getting ready to go to a town fair. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy the evening. And when I walk into her house, I say, should I take my shoes off? And she said, nah, it's all right. It's fine. So we walk into the room. She grabs me a drink of water. And uh, we hang out for a moment. I I think I meet her older brother, her family. And uh, then I begin to smell something. I'm like... I was like, ugh, this girl's house stank, right? <laughs> a little stinky in here. And then little do I know, she's thinking the same thing, like, ugh, this guy stinks. <laughs> Why does he smell so bad? And then I, I begin to look around, and then there's some footprints I start to see. And I look at the footprint, I'm like, hold up. That's a, that's a big footprint. And I see another one, I'm like, uh-oh. And then I look at my shoes. And the moment I look at my shoes, I have a flashback of that moment I slipped outside. And I realized what I slipped on outside was the neighbor's dog poop. And I was walking around in this house with a whole lot of stink. That was uh, our first date. You know, some of us are walking around not realizing that we have pride in our hearts. Some of us are walking around with our chin a little bit too high, pointing out the faults in other people's lives a little bit too much. Now, understand this. Pride is not just arrogance, though. It's simply carrying too much thoughts about yourself. It could be thoughts of, I'm so awesome, but it could also be thoughts of, I'm so terrible. The common denominator is that you are in the middle of your thoughts. Both can be pride statements. It's when we elevate who we are in either direction. It's when we exalt us more than anything else. You know, the truth is we are fearfully, wonderfully made. True or false? Right? There's truth. And at the same time, we are incredibly sinful and messed up. True or false? True. So when does it become pride? In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own business and working with your hands as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way that you live and will not need to depend on others. Did Jesus live a quiet life? Yes. But does that mean he shied away from doing miracles and teachings? No. Of course not. In our main passage, he literally just did a miracle and taught thousands of people. See, awareness includes knowing when it's our personal assignment to take action. 
Quiet does not mean a lack of excellence. It does not mean that you will not shine for Jesus. It simply means we operate fully in who we are with an intentionality that we are not the center. We need to have that awareness. It becomes pride when self-centered thoughts become the center of our thoughts. I remember a friend of mine, he was telling me a brand new awareness that he had. He's like, Jeff, I'm starting to be aware that I am less sad when I just stop thinking about myself so much. I want to ask you today, are you aware of the times where maybe you're the main character too much in your head? Every organization, every company, every family, every marriage is amazing. And God designed it to be amazing. But it's only amazing until pride steps into the room. When it comes to the life of Jesus, it was a recurring theme that Jesus was always more concerned about the lost and the will of his father as the number one priority of his life. So the first point we had today was this. Jesus had what? Awareness. Number two is this. Jesus went away. He went away. So again, he knew, but then he went away to the mountains. Turn to your neighbor and just say, go away sometimes. (laughs) Go away. (laughs) Be careful now. Proverbs 16, it says, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Jesus, when he went away, he was guarding his heart. Verse 18, pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Jesus was guarding his heart by going away. And we hear it all the time, pride comes before the, before the fall. Why does this occur? I look at pride like this. When we get a compliment, we put it on our back. Imagine it's like a bag of rice. Put a bag of rice on your back. In the beginning, it's okay, right? Take another compliment, you're just holding it. Someone gives you another compliment or a good job or a success or a promotion. Put another bag of rice on your head on your back. Eventually, it starts to get heavy, right? And the longer we carry it and hold on to these things, what's eventually going to happen? It's going to weigh us down, and we're going to eventually fall. Pride occurs because we begin to carry too much stuff. We were never meant to carry praise, and we see that all throughout the scripture. We were never meant to carry too much pity. We were created to give all things to God. We, learned, we need to learn how to receive things, but then also learn how to give it back. I want to do a quick activity. If I can call on Pastor Stan, if you can come up here real quick. Bring your chair, please. It's going to be a quick activity. Uh, there's this activity that was done by a man named Jason Wilson. You can have a seat right there. Check, check. And can we get this mic on? So there's this activity called Crowning the King. And it's meant for people who are very insecure. Now, he's a very secure man. That's why I chose him. Uh, But oftentimes, especially, uh, I'll just be honest, as a man, I reject a lot of things, whether it's a compliment or a good job or even, you know, hate. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to do a couple things. I'm going to crown him as king by saying a few things. And we're going to see his reaction to what happens. Okay? So we need to learn how to receive and embrace, but also to let go. So, Pastor Stan, I just want to let you know that you are, you're a handsome guy. All right, respond. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. All right. That's a warm-up. Okay, hold on. All right. <laughs> Pass the hand. Uh, actually, you don't have to say anything real quick. Okay. <laughs> Everybody in the room, raise your hand if Pass the stand is your favorite. I'm just playing. Don't do that. <laughs> Pass the Dave's right there. <laughs> All right. I got another one. I got another one. You can respond to this one. Uh, Pass the stand, you are a great husband. I've seen the way that you've treated Faye and... Uh, I look up to you. Oh, th thank you. All right. Yes, yes. All right. Another one, another one. Um, last one. Pastor Stan, in my time knowing you, when I think of you, uh, I'll be honest, I just, I smile. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Give it up for Pastor Stan. Thank you. All right. I've crowned him as king. All right. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Because I want to give the reality that it's okay to receive blessing from other people, from those around you. And it's okay. And we have to learn how to embrace it. But just like the bag of rice, I think if we carry it for too long, it's going to eventually make us fall. It's going to eventually make us stumble. If Pastor Stan just keeps walking around saying, yeah, I'm so good looking, right? Faye, I'm so good looking. I wake up in the morning, look at the mirror, man, I'm so good looking. He's going to eventually stumble. But if he takes it, says thank you, and then releases it, something happens. I believe that when Jesus went away, he was doing something. I believe that he was giving everything back to his heavenly father in prayer. Pride comes before the fall because as humans, this is what it looks like when we carry too much. We were never meant to carry praise too long. We were never meant to carry pity too long. It's too heavy. We were only meant to give it to the one who can hold those things. Going away doesn't mean you reject success. Going away doesn't mean you just, that you just don't carry it forever. You, you go away and give it back to what was just stewarded to you. The Bible says that he may increase and we may decrease. Again, Jesus went away to withdrew to the mountain by himself. And whenever the scripture talks about that, he wasn't truly alone. He was in communion with his father. He went away. As I was reflecting on overall scripture, I realized that Jesus did not truly receive full glory and praise and honor and worship until after the cross and his resurrection. It wasn't until he was in his glorified body. And maybe, and maybe this is potentially because as a human here on earth that did not conquer death yet, maybe it was impossible to carry that praise without getting prideful. Because every time he would get praise, he would run away. Some of us in this room, we, we might be hearing, wow, if God is the only one who gets praise and glory and, and is the one who gets honored, sounds like God's pretty narcissistic. But I want to challenge you and say this. I think it's hard to call someone narcissist when they died for you. I think it's hard to call someone a narcissist when they sacrificed their son so that you could live. So what did Jesus do in scenarios when he himself was given affirmation? In the scripture, he said, who do you say I am, Peter? And he responded, he said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you. This was not revealed to you by man, but by Father in heaven. Jesus embraced who he was. He did not reject who he was. But he walked in humility still. And I believe it's because he would always go away. He knew that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Jesus did not take his public success as a gateway for selfish gain. He did not use it for manipulation. He did the opposite. He guarded his heart by going away. His private relationship with his father was more important with his public relationship with the world. And I want to ask you today, how much do you value your private relationship with God? And I want to encourage you to seek that first and foremost. Seek that. The reason why my wife and I go away on date nights is so that we could spend more time with each other. So we can celebrate the things that we have accomplished, but then also on the flip side is to share each other's burdens when we're carrying something heavy. And the same way we go to God, it's the same thing. We go to God to celebrate, but we also go to God because we need him. Jesus had awareness, but he also went away. There's a practice that I've been learning uh, for the same guy who did the crowning activity. If you could put up the next slide. Uh, he teaches us how to end our days in this book I, I'm reading called Battle Cry. Very simple. It's reflect. You think about your day. You don't ignore it, but you think about it. Release. You say what occurred happened, but tomorrow's a new day. You reset and say, God, your mercies are new every morning. And then you rest that God is still faithful in the midst of everything. There's a true story about a Christian group, and they were undergoing extreme suffering. I heard this story a few years back, and I couldn't find exactly which country it was because I forgot. But pretty much there were six or seven Christians, and they were held captive in another country. And they were prisoners. And after sharing the gospel, they were being persecuted. But here's the thing. Even as they were arrested... They continued to worship the Lord. It got to a point where there was a special hospice cell for those prisoners who were about to die. These prisoners were beat so bad that eventually they ended up in that cell. And even in prison, in that hospice cell, they, stepped, they kept singing songs of praise to God. And this image will never leave me. While they would worship, they would make noise with the chains. It would go clink, 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 and they would sing, and they would worship. And while they were worshiping, one person would leave the room, and they would continue to sing. The person that leaves the room is the one who's getting beat because they're worshiping. They worship so much that they finally came to an agreement with the guards that as long as we take rotations of getting beat, can we still keep singing to Jesus. So they did that, one after another. One would leave the room, come back bloody, keep singing. One would leave the room, come back, they would keep singing. And it was just this rotation that never stopped. See, the guards could rob them of their health because they eventually died. But they couldn't steal their faith and joy in Jesus. One thing that I thought was of that was how in Revelation 4, and Audrey, you can come up as I'm getting ready to close. It reminded me of Revelation 4. When I study humility, when I think of humility, I think of Jesus, and then I think of the 24 elders. In Revelation 4, if you don't know, it's at the end of the Bible, and we see four living creatures give worship to Jesus, but then we also see 24 elders do something really interesting 
with the things that they were blessed with. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, it says, they lay their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. What happened in that moment? I think we see humility. As Christians, in the end, we will all be awarded a crown in heaven. You know, I'll be honest, I know what it's like to receive a crown. I was homecoming king at my school, and uh, it was a big crown, and it was a big celebration. So I know what it's like to receive a crown, and it's a pretty interesting feeling. You feel very accomplished. You feel very proud of yourself, right? But when we get to heaven, we're not going to walk around like the way I did at my high school. We're not going to walk around and say, look at my big crown, right? Because when we are given a crown by the one who wore the crown of thorns, it's going to be the most humbling thing we ever experience. When we receive a, a crown from the one who washes the feet of his disciples, the one who said, not my will, but the will of the Father. Our only reaction is to lay down every award, every accomplishment, every success, every promotion back down at the feet of Jesus. To be humble is simply to be more like Jesus. So what are your crowns? Maybe your crown is your career. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your finances. But sometimes we don't even realize that sometimes we're wearing also a crown of pain. A crown of suffering. And I want to encourage you to, today and just say, lay it down at the feet of Jesus and just say, I trust in you. Even after this message, what I always do after preaching, I say, God, I received this message and now I give it back to you. Even in the next five minutes, it's not, it's not mine to hold whether it was good or not. We are stewards of our accomplishments, but we are also stewards of our pain. Whatever we put on our head, it needs to go back down to the feet of Jesus. So I encourage you today, surrender your pride, guys. Surrender your hurt. And see that God is worthy of it all. Let's pray. God, teach us to be humble just like you. God, teach us how to receive both the amazing things in life and also the difficult things. God, I pray today that we would go away, even here in this moment, to a secret place, even if there's people around. I pray that we will close our eyes and that we would go to you as we close in worship. Take a moment, and I want you to think about and meditate on what is it 
that you've been wearing on your head as of lately? What are the thoughts that have been consuming your mind as you as the main character of your life? I'm going to give you about 20 seconds to think about that. And we're going to together just offer it back down to the feet of Jesus. As a prophetic declaration, keep your eyes closed. But we're going to say a prayer together. And I want you to just fill in the blank where it's appropriate. Everyone just put out your hands as if you are receiving something. And out loud, everyone just said, God, I receive. And then fill in the blank. Whatever it may be, your pain, the accomplishments. Fill in the blank. Continue to fill in the blank. I receive it, God. I acknowledge it. And now together, let's all say, God, I now give it back to you. And say, I lay it at the feet of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Continue in prayer before we close in this song. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.